I think my voice is good enough. I can, I can start doing that again. Right? It's back. So, it's so back. back. I smoked half as many marijuanas yesterday as I normally do. And my voice is somewhat restored. We shall see. We've got a big show for you today. Catch up Thursday. Catching up on headlines. It's really kind of like a... I, I, I want to say what the fuck Thursday. But that doesn't have the same ring to it as what the fuck Wednesday. But we got we got some really important, we got some heavy international topics to cover. Uh, we've got BB out in Israel. We've got Russian shit happening in Russia. We've got the oppression of the Uyghurs in China. We've got nuclear explosion in Iran. Not not a nuke, nuclear plant. Because it's just, it's just fuel. It's just fuel. Uh, we've got Rand Paul's response. Rand Paul's response to the Fauci emails. Uh, and I just so many what the fuck stories today. Um, great American politics block. We've got little Parkinson's and pollution section that just like, oh shit. Well, one more reason not to live in cities or be more conscientious of your health in a number of ways, but also daily news, U.S. troops mistakenly stormed cooking oil factory in Bulgaria. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, like, of all, we're going to come back to all of that. We've got Steve in the coast chair today. Oh. We've got a great guest, my old friend, Jess Mears, who I have known, jeez, um, I don't know, at least five or six years. Uh, through LP activism, long time, great activist, has worked as the development director. Remember, she did titles, titles, formalities. She's had, she's had a bunch of different positions, or at least a few, at uh, Libertarian Party National. And now is, and this is, she's, she's not with the LP. She's got some other gig. She'll tell us about fun little political job uh, working for AFP, Americans for Prosperity, which is like, well, was there were there Americans against prosperity? Was that was that really a thing? <laughs> uh, but she is coming on the show today to pitch me and you on Clubhouse. If you haven't heard the uh, audio app, uh, chat app. What, what's what's the actual? What's the byline? The the drop in voice something chat. Drop in uh, chat app. app. Yeah, drop in chat app. I mean, I I don't like talking on the phone as it is. Like, I'm, like, I'm a texting guy. I don't know if I'm going to go over this. Okay, um, for casual drop-in audio conversations there we go. with friends and other interesting people oh. around the world. Hmm. Well, I don't have any friends, and I don't really know any interesting people. We so can't it's join. definitely not for me. But uh, <laughs> we're going to get the full pitch from Jess here today. And apparently someone is already impersonating me, Uncle Paul. So you're already there. Do not follow Adam Kokesh yet. Uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll have an account by the end of the show. Joey is Joey's working on this. Um, I try. I, I got it uh, downloaded on my phone, but I'm doing the show from my phone still. So I don't know. This is like I got Streamyard and Google Chrome, and this is this is my personal clubhouse. Welcome to Adam versus the Man, ladies and gentlemen. With that, executive producer Jim Freedom. What's going on? Good morning to you. How are you doing up there today? Excellent. Happy Thursday. Beautiful sunrise this morning. Didn't get the pictures posted yet, but a lot of good stuff on the Garden of Freedom Instagram. Fur exclusion. Like I got to be like, the, the, the five kittens, Muffins kittens, have moved over to the wood pile. But nice. every time we walk by, all five kittens like emerge. And we, have, we have photos of that. 
Especially you gotta you gotta walk up with a video. Just walk up slow and get them all coming out. Like, oh man. Well, we'll see if I can catch that today. Well, I'll 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 sell that one today for people to see tomorrow since it's not up quite yet. You can't do it now because you're on your phone. Uh, you can join t.me forward slash Adam versus man. That's a public telegram channel that we have. It's got links to every, uh, every link that we do in the show covered or not covered. We got like 8 million links today, so we probably won't cover them all. So if we don't, we will. We it's Thursday. It's we Thursday. Tim. I, we I have to on the headlines before good news Friday. <laughs> okay. We'll do our we best. Also- this is, this is what ways. we do. We get all the serious shit out of the way by the end of the show Thursday. We get a front Friday, stack up all the bad news again for Monday. Okay, so we'll cover all of the links. However, there is still a chance that one of the links gets covered really quick, like the title gets read and we move on really quick. And if you were interested in that one, you can find the link for it at the public telegram channel, t.me forward slash Adiverse Man. Otherwise, you can just go to Patreon. They got one, five, ten, or fifty dollars a month, different levels to support the show. Ten dollars a month will get you access to a private producers club chat that we also have on Telegram. So you can check that out. And once you're a producers club, member you can also get 15 percent off and free shipping on everything on our store once that's up and ready so definitely get yourself involved in the private producers club through patreon after that check out cigarfederation.com great website for all kinds of exotically flavored cigars uh, they work with us and if you use promo code adam10 all caps you get 10 percent off your entire order there so if you're a cigar smoker definitely check out cigarfederation.com and uh, do a search for the JSK Nugs. They got CBD in them, and we all know how healthy that is for the human body. Uh, Instagram, he mentioned to the pictures and videos, there shall be new ones up tomorrow, I'm sure of it. Wait, 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 wait. what's the top one, Joey? Is that the one you posted with with uh, Bandit? Yeah, escaping from the bathtub. Yeah. Ninjas. Ninjas. You got ninja cats. These cats are unfreaking. I mean, the squirming <laughs> cats of Gardenia. We got so lucky with these guys. Uh, we might be trading some for dogs now. It seems <laughs> security, more security dogs around here. But these are the scorpion cats of Gardenia, and not only do they catch and eat scorpions alive, as I've caught on video, but they are just incredible athletes. Like this, one of our kittens, like weighs less than my hand like you know the the torso of this cat like smaller than my my fist can jump out of the bathtub crawl up someone's legs all the way up to my shoulder like i mean these they they can scale vertical concrete walls or wood walls anything they can get their little claws into they're just it's I, i and you pick them up and you go if this way and, and and what you can do with them and i i don't want to sound like i i abuse my cats because i love them i'm loving i'm gentle with you can them throw like, 100 yards yeah no, no no 10 yards 10 yards slow down there too yeah no, but i i i mean we were even joking about this at the vet the other day and they were like yeah if a cat's got two bones within you know like a foot of each other they'll grow back together and it's like yeah we had this because shat like the only accident the only injury we had with any of the cats here i think was from Marilyn, our wiener lab puppy who plays with the cats grabbing them by the scruff of the neck and like drags them around and they love crazy. it they love it oh yeah they love it but i think she got carried away and with one of the kittens shadow his jaw got messed up and it was i was like i was so scared for him and like, oh my gosh, 
you know, but he was like, he was never in pain as far as we know. I mean, I'm sure it hurt, hurt when it happened. But like the one of his jaw bones was like twisted sideways. He had like teeth and his tongue like hanging out for a couple of weeks and it just healed back to normal. And, you just, and I mean, you think about like a kitten. We're, we're talking, you know, five or six week old kittens and you can, they will jump off like two or three foot ledges and land like it's nothing. And they will climb trees out here. The junipers are super easy for climbing with the bark. But oh, I am just, I am constantly in awe of the athleticism of these cats. Psychic Taxi, don't show the audience the catapult. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep Thank that you. up. So if you wanna if you wanna uh see the scorpion, uh the cat eating the scorpion on video that's at the instagram also you might have to scroll back a little bit because it was some months ago but it, it'll be fun scrolling through the instagram and looking at all the other shit till you get to it so enjoy that you're welcome <laughs> next the crypto6.com these guys got rated uh rated the bitcoin church that got rated up there in Keene, new hampshire i'm sure you guys have heard of it the crypto six is where you can go to help them with their legal funds and anything you can do if you got any extra cryptos you can donate them here to help those guys out. You can click the links to write the guys that are still locked up in cages by the terrorist American mm -hmm. government. So the crypto6.com is where you can go to help them out. GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best website we've heard of to get yourself educated on solar power, micro wind power, and zero energy homes. Uh, this website is the best for all do-it-yourselfers that want to get themselves self-sustaining in their home with all those... Uh, renewable energy so go green energy online.com give them a check out and read the whole website don't leave one word unread then jay should be joining us tomorrow jay nygaard the turbine guy with an update this is the man behind go green energy and the gardenia turbine uh join us friday for good news friday update on his federal lawsuit hopefully let's get steve up here co steve remus joins us from phoenix wait where are you coming from today Tucson. Always Tucson. Tucson. Usually Tucson. Tucson. Usually Tucson. Thank yeah. you. Excuse me for that. Some Somewhere south of the Arizona mountains where it's way too fucking hot. That's that's where Steve is. 102. 102 today. Yeah. Good grief. I love it, though. <laughs> I, love, I love the heat, which is... Better. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a choice at this point, so... <laughs> Oh, you could always like you know move up here where it's nice. It's, I mean, it's, you know, eventually. It's one of those things with gardenia. I tell people I live in Arizona. They're like, "Oh my god, cacti and sand." It's like, no, it is. I'm in the mountains with the trees. Yeah, that's what I like. You know, if, if you look at Arizona, like there's the the rectangle on the map that is Arizona, the northern half is awesome, and the southern half is mostly barren desert, way too hot where human beings are not designed to live. And it's like only because of government, only because somehow Phoenix became the power center is Phoenix as opposed to Flagstaff or Sedona or, or I don't want to say Ashford because we're, we're pretty small here. But, you know, like uh, certainly, you know, Prescott or, or Sedona, or or Flagstaff, or even Kingman, and Kingman is pretty hot desert, but still not nearly as bad as as Phoenix and a lot of southern Arizona. But you have an awesome 
comment contest today, don't you, Steve? I do. So, so this comment contest is inspired by a personal situation I'm having, and it's going to be: <laughs> What's the worst thing you ever did as a kid? So, so Steve became a kid last weekend. Like, uh, you know, what, what, what's that old movie? This is Tom Hanks. God damn it! I should know this. Like, I can't. Benjamin Button swapped. Oh, big, big. Yeah, big. Yeah. Where yeah, the where yeah, big. Yeah, he had a, like a reverse big experience last weekend. <laughs> oh no, wait. It was your kid. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So my yeah. So my. Uh, if I'm gonna tell dumb dad jokes, I at least need to have my movie references ready. Sorry about that, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so uh, yeah. So my my. So obviously, my kids live with my ex-wife in Virginia, and so they've been locked down. They just started going back to school like a month ago. Um, obviously, I have three teenage boys. Uh, that have been stuck with their mother for almost a year. And so my 13-year-old has developed a distaste for my 16-year-old. And he was, I guess he was text messaging one of his friends about how they would take care of my 16-year-old. <laughs> and he, he mentioned that he would blow up the school bus that my 16-year-old rides. Oh, that didn't so, go So the other kid's mom obviously oh, called the school oh. and the cops my ex-wife's house was visited by the police. Um, my, wow. he, ha he has a disciplinary hearing today. Um, so he was, uh. he was facing three felony charges, but I think they've backed off of those. No, so. and, 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 and if I may weigh in on this, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple, couple, couple points. Um, it's not inappropriate when the specter of violence is raised for society to pay attention and to efficiently determine when it's a child mouthing off and spank them appropriately. And I and I, and I don't mean literally spank. I'm against you know any kind of yeah. physical uh, punishment. Uh, completely against spanking. But you know, uh, an appropriate uh, reprimand and uh, not punishment but responsibility for the response that they cause, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, I'm not justifying the response, like threatening <laughs> with three felonies, calling the police, yeah. blah, 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 blah. like, no, no. I mean, what it should have been like, if it was a community school that was run well, you know, or in a homeschooling collective, maybe you, 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 you look into it and you go, is the kid just joking? Is there anything more serious here? They would yeah. talk to him with a counselor who's trained to determine that, and and hey guy, hey, let's let's see what else is aggravating this. Oh, COVID locked out for a year with your yeah. mom in a government and, and and is he doing uh, remote learning through a government school? So, so they did they did do remote learning through the whole thing. And now so now they're like, Well, he has to get mandatory counseling, but all the counselors in Virginia and Maryland are backed up six months. So <laughs> so it's looking like he's gonna be out of school uh, right now. It's it's like looking like a year expulsion. That's gonna um, help the situation. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a huge over response. Like I, when I say like there should be, uh, a, you know, a reprimand. The the the, the 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 violator making an inappropriate threat or statement that raises the specter of mass violence. You know, if if the society that they live in says, hey, when that happens, you know, we are gonna call police to oversee a process whereby we determine that there's no threat. We're going to make sure you get counseling. We're sure whatever real cause there is addressed. Cause you know, 99.9% .9 of the time it's kids mouthing off. Yeah. It's not a kid actually planning something serious, but that does 
that 0.1% justifies, you look into every other case. But then the punishment, it's not punishment, it's justice. You make that kid take response or an adult, same if yeah. an adult, same shit. You take responsibility for causing that response. And it's not expelled from school for a year. It's like, hey, there was an administrative, you know, bureaucratic response and it cost five thousand dollars. And you're responsible for making that up eventually. You know, you're a kid, you're a troubled kid. We're gonna we're gonna, you know, but that's the only thing you could possibly say is an appropriate thing to impose on someone in this situation other than you know hey uh you're gonna help us make sure that this is cool like and we're gonna help you make sure that you're cool but fuck man i feel sorry for your kid now having having had that moment as a kid which for boys especially pushing those boundaries finding those limits is an important part of growing up and instead of getting educated with a man in his life saying look dude you can't say shit like that because this, we live in a society, we live in a community, and they have to respond. And you want to live in a world where if someone says what you said, people pay attention, right? Yeah. And, and say, look, and, and and explain that, like, here is how you can take responsibility for it and have, like, some restorative justice. And in this case, there still is an opportunity for your son. If he ever watches this, I would suggest that you go above and beyond and taking responsibility for that response for, for your brother for the other kids involved, make a statement to the school maybe, you know, but know that the government responding and threatening you is no more legitimate. And you have no grounds to to that. And and I would would bet if if you were living with your father, you wouldn't be going to a government school. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's, you know, part of the solution now is my 16, my 16 year old is coming here um, at the recommendation of a, of a of a temporary counselor, and then if he is expelled from school for a year, my thirteen year old they'll, they'll kind of switch, and my thirteen year old will come <laughs> here, and I'm going to stick him in the Ron Paul curriculum for homeschool. Nice, nice. So, it's a good start. Know, it's a good start. But it's yeah. a, I mean, I should say Ron Paul curriculum. Excuse me. Great start. Great great tool. But it's just the start, as you know. Yep. It's really unschooling is the is the important spirit behind any rate effort to raise a child is that you let them guide their educational process with what their brains are ready yeah. to absorb, not what you're going to force into them with any kind of curriculum, but as a foundational guideline as a body of knowledge for yeah. when a kid wants to engage in it, Ron Paul curriculum should be available to every kid in America. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we'll see, he's got his disciplinary hearing during this podcast so i'm sure i'll get a i'll get a text message and probably stare at my phone here in like an hour (laughs) all right maybe we'll have an update but steve is going to be keeping an eye on your comments keeping them flowing throughout the show we do got to get to our headlines holy crap we got a lot here so what what is the actual what is the actual kind is just craziest thing you ever did as a kid worst thing you ever did as a kid (laughs) worst worst thing you ever did as a kid worst thing Let's see if you can top my kids. Let's see. Let's see if it, you oh, can. I can top it. Shit. Oh, you can top it. That's nothing. See, I, mean, I, I can't top it. I can't top it. I was afraid of my I was afraid of my dad. I thought my dad would murder me if I ever did anything wrong. <laughs> this is this is why boys need fathers. Yeah. One one more reason raising them to be gentlemen, to, to know the Get a, 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 a higher 
expression of masculinity you know, rather than, than being combative or aggressive or violent and, and using your capacity for force to strengthen that community, to serve that community rather than to be, uh, to be a miscreant in it. But unfortunately, society is conditioning boys to be miscreants, isn't it? Although yep. that's kind of putting it mildly. I'm sure we'll come back to more critiques of the government education system. And yeah, we, that's, yeah. As we that's often do. But for me, I, uh, I blew up the boys' bathroom at my school in middle school with a little, I, I should say, I, I blew up all the paper and stuff on the interior with a fireball bomb. Pretty cool. Uh, psychic Taxi, the worst thing I did is get to set a couple small fires, experimenting with matches. Yeah. All right. So, to our international news block, we start with Reuters. Great news from Israel. Arab Islamist helps clinch Israel's new anti-Netanyahu government. If you don't know, Bibi Benjamin Netanyahu has been prime minister of Israel for the last 12 years. A lot of blood is on his hands. And this is a fundamental shift, not just for Israel, but for the world, for the Palestinian people. This is a massive realignment of politics that is a long, long overdue shakeup. And I hope, I mean, I, I, I pray if I'm, you know, if I was a praying man, I would be praying hard to see that, that this shift is fully manifest as a, a debrutalization, if you will, of the state of Israel with the policies of settlement of Palestine, of all of the, uh, the, the hostility around it. If, if it, I, I, that's my hope. So to the story, it was a photo opportunity for the history books, an Islamist politician from Israel's Arab minority grinning alongside a far right Jewish leader and his allies moments after endorsing him as prime minister and handing him a governing majority. Now, for those of you who aren't uh, from parliamentary systems, uh, this is this is a little this is a critical difference with the American system, where we uh, elect president, vice president is the administrative branch of government directly. In systems that evolved out of, uh, I believe, the British system, but you know, who knows? they, they uh, I mean, who knows? This, this, why am I? I'm, I'm just trying to play off my my ignorance as like human ignorance. Now, of course, we all know the history or we can all look up the history, rather, of uh, the development of parliamentary governments. But in parliamentary governments, the prime minister is selected from a governing coalition majority of elected members of parliament. And so first you have parliamentary elections, and it's often considered as a, a referendum on who's the prime minister going to be, but it's not a direct vote on the prime minister. So, you know, advantages, disadvantages in the governing system, I don't really care. These are really just different systems of organizing criminal mafia governments. Common cause against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu bring Mansour Abbas into the political fold. Late on Wednesday, his tiny Islamist faction securing a paper-thin majority for Jewish parties hoping to unseat Israel's longest-serving premier, the United Arab List, would be the first party drawn from the country's 21% Arab minority, Palestinian by heritage, Israeli by citizenship, to join an Israeli government whose parliamentary approval is still pending. Abbas, 47, has cast aside differences with Prime Minister hopeful 
Naftali Bennett, a former leader of a major Jewish settlement organization and an advocate of annexing most of the occupied West Bank land Palestinians seek for state. A dentist by profession, Abbas says he hopes to improve conditions for Arab citizens who complain of discrimination and government neglect. I think that's putting it mildly. Fragile coalition is the next section in the story. And it is interesting to point out that the situation in Israel is not like there was a decisive vote and a solid new direction, a course set away from the imperialism of the Israeli state. But uh, we will be following up on how this shakes out with very, uh, with, with, with a very hopeful eye to a major de-escalization of militarism for the world, as, as the state of Israel has sadly led the charge with outsized militarism for its uh, population, certainly, and been responsible for uh, a lot of human suffering, and, and certainly over the last 12 years under Benjamin Netanyahu. And for those, I mean, you think about 12 years, 12 years of the Israeli, the past 12 years, all of the crimes of the Israeli government over the past 12 years, and with those of which uh, the American government particularly is complicit with, with its uh, you know, billions of dollars in foreign aid and military aid to Israel that fund so much of that. And, and now, uh, yeah, this is exciting. I'm very hopeful. Bloomberg at yahoofinance.com, Russia cuts dollar holdings from $119 billion wealth fund amid sanctions. And this is like, ah, the American government dollar regime going, yeah, we're going to put sanctions on Russia now. And them going, oh, yeah. You know how your dollar, your economy, the mechanism by which you rip off the people of the world with the U.S. reserve dollar empire? Yeah, well, we're out. Dollar out. Russia cuts out dollar from its wealth fund adding to euro, gold, and yuan. So uh, there's a graph here with a breakdown. This is uh, Russia's sovereign wealth fund, I guess. It's it, the, the holding to the Russian uh, central government. Russia said it will. So it's got 40% in euro, 30% in yuan, 20% gold, 5% yen, and 5% in the pound. Russia said it will eliminate the dollar <clears throat> from its fund, from its oil fund. Okay, so it's just it's just the oil fund. But we're still talking 119 billion dollars to reduce vulnerability to Western sanctions. Just two weeks before President Vladimir Putin holds his first summit meeting with U.S. leader Joe Biden, the National Wellbeing Fund will shift its dollar holdings into euros, yuan, and gold. The dollar paired gains on the news Thursday before bouncing back as analysts said the immediate market impact is likely to be limited. The transfer, which affects about $119 billion in liquid assets, of which about a third is held in dollars, will take place within the central bank's huge reserves. Uh, as Sofia Donets, economist at Renaissance Capital in Moscow, quoted for the story, said the central bank can make these changes to the well-being fund without resorting to market operations. Um, and Deputy Finance Minister Vladimir Kolchev told Bloomberg, quote, they're expanding sanctions. And for us, the dollar is becoming riskier. So there's a lot of different power plays, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. But the basic story that you can take away from this is Russia doesn't want to be as invested in the U.S. dollar. And there's there's a certain like advantage to that that they had in the past that they're saying, 
eh, is outweighed by all this other shit now, including the sanctions, which are, are, are sort of the immediate motivator for this. And this is all great. This is all, you know, like, and I say this as a citizen of the American empire who says, let's not be an empire, a weakening of the empire, because Russia's economy is about one thirtieth the size of the United States. And it is presented in the U.S. media as an opposing superpower, like this Cold War propaganda holdover silliness that just really has very little relevance today, except in stirring up the American people's resentment and, you know, um, paranoia about Russia. What was it? Russophobia being spread in the American press. But I'm not trying to defend the Russian government by any stretch of the imagination. I just like seeing governments fight with each other because then they're less capable of fighting us or oppressing us or just, you know, killing millions of civilians and, you know, acceptable collateral damage and things like that. But the Russian government taking $119 billion out of the U.S. dollar, I'm hoping represents the start of greater destabilization of the dollar, greater promotion to rising crypto. I mean, next thing you know, they're, I mean, they're going to, they're investing in gold and other fiat currencies, right? There's this, there's there's a big network uh, between major world governments and central banks of holding each other's currencies and manipulating the system to serve their interests. And there's there's a a massive sort of economic detente where you know these these massive institutions, many of which are controlled by the same people, got hand you know the, the the global elite or the super class, the you know several hundred or thousand richest people in the world get to play this game and manipulate this thing, but I'm starting to see them lose control. Like in America, we are celebrating right now a mass a period of massive reduction in the brutality of the police state. We may also be seeing it uh, lead to destabilization of fiat currencies all over the world, a shift away from governments having that ability to rip people off by printing money out of thin air. Psychic taxi, whatever made you think paper was worth so much. Kurt Vonnegut. I remember that. That's from this book, Galapagos. I went through uh, a, a Vonnegut phase and, and there, there, there was uh, he has this great paragraph about uh, after ice nine hits or something and the whole world's oceans turn to ice and everybody dies and there's this, uh, and maybe I'm confusing different Vonnegut storylines, but he's like and, the, and people spent most of their days chasing little green pieces of paper around the world. And it was like, yeah, we somehow we got past that. But back to Russia from Reuters, Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny loses bid to end sleep deprivation torture. Yeah. So uh, not everything the Russian government is doing good, obviously. Uh, in fact, most of it's still extremely shitty. Jailed Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny on Wednesday lost a legal bid to overturn his designation as a flight risk, a label which he says allows prison guards to subject him to torture by sleep deprivation. Navalny, one of President Vladimir Putin's most prominent critics, is serving a two and a half year jail term for parole violations. Right. And the case he says was trumped up to towards political opposition against the Kremlin. The 44 year old politician went on a hunger strike in late March to demand better medical care, which he got. He has since started eating properly again. Currently at a different prison facility with a hospital to which he was temporarily moved. When on hunger strike, he has mounted three legal challenges against the prison where he was being held beforehand and is expected to return. The IK2 corrective penal colony, 100 kilometers east of Moscow. When at IK2, he complained he was being deprived of sleep by guards who woke him every hour during the night when they filmed him and reported he was present in order to officially verify his whereabouts. And uh, 
I've never had so much sympathy for Navalny because I've experienced this directly myself. And some of you are like, really? Yeah, yeah. When I was in jail in D.C. and I did four months for for the shotgun incident uh, there, there was a... uh, same thing when I was I was held in uh, protective custody solitary in the United States. They can't quite get away with treating prisoners as badly as they do in Russia. But it was the same thing. Oh, well, we have an excuse to check on you every hour on the hour and wake you up. You go, oh, really? well, yeah. Yeah, and it's sleep deprivation torture because what that does is it makes it easier to blow. I mean, if you try it, try set alarm or just Keep your normal, try to keep your normal sleep routine. Oh yeah. And get waking up at four 30 in the morning for breakfast every day and set an alarm to wake you up every hour on the hour. Don't do this. Seriously, don't do this. It'll fuck with your head, man. You know, you will like just your brain needs sleep to function properly. You take that away. It's and And it makes it easy to bully people on plea deals uh, to control them in legal proceedings. Miss Pepper, I did 19 months in County and still haven't been convicted. That was seven years ago. Yeah. How many people have had that experience in the United States? And I, I would say that uh, just just the standard of care in American jails and in most jails and prisons, um, and maybe not in some of the more like you know club fed, you know low security resort type prisons, but in in every jail I've been in, these jails short term. People do years in jail. It doesn't excuse fucking with their heads and fucking with their health. And really for uh, most Americans who go to jail, uh, they experience some kind of sleep deprivation torture in the course of being handled by law enforcement, let alone processed into the jail. I've experienced almost every single time I've gotten arrested. Some kind, I mean, in D.C. is the fucking worst. You get arrested in D.C. Any time of day, you go to a room with a metal cut, a metal slab cut, that's it. And uh, it's really gross. And it's really loud. And it's uh, that's before you go to court for the first time. They do that to you, and then you go to court to see the judge in the morning. It's really fucked up. Uh, Khaled Salad, uh, Eugene Wright, former CIA torture whistleblower, John Kiriakou on the show. Yes, add him to the list, please. I'd love to talk to John. AP News, we got this is this is a stack, uh, Jim. Follow up though. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm from from earlier this week. Uh, that I'm, I'm going to go back to read this weekend. AP interview Kremlin cracking down on dissent before vote. And one of the reasons uh, I think my TV show was canceled is that I was uh, directly critical of Putin. And, and, you know, I mean, I was working for the Russians. Remember? And I told him, you know, I'm, I'm going to cover him as I would with, you know, I'm going to cover Russia's government like any international news. And to be fair, RT honored their agreement to not impose any editorial restraints on me as a TV host on, on Russia Today. So they just canceled me. <laughs> you know? Okay, uh, you're fired then. Um, but they did it right after I did a segment on Russia's, uh, well, really Putin's meddling in the 2011, 2011 parliamentary elections in Russia. So this is this is nothing new for Russia. But now to China. Uyghur exiles described forced abortions, torture in Xinjiang. Pretty sure I'm saying those right. Uyghur. Uyghur. Some people say it a little, a little bit differently, but 
U-Y-G-H-U-R. And it's unfortunate. The, this is a transliteration. If you don't know, I know this from, from learning Arabic. It's not just a translation. Transli like a transliteration means when you're taking it from one alphabet to another. So when you see like any Arab, like Muhammad, you see the name Muhammad, M-O-H-A-M-E-D. Now you see it spelled a ton of different times because none of those are actually how Muhammad as an Arab name is properly spelled. Blessed be his name, something like that. No, but it's it's like uh, meme. Uh, the two a couple they don't have vowels in in Arabic the same way as in in the English language. So when you take, it's like M H M D Muhammad. That's why this, we hear a lot of Arabs, uh, people who speak Arab. They, the, the the vowel sounds in the Arab language are very subtle. So Muhammad. You go, how do you spell that? Well, M-H-M-D. And you go, well, how do you spell that in English? Well, you, you fucking don't. <laughs> you know, like, uh, learn the Arabic alphabet, damn it. No, so transliteration is like taking M-H-M-D in the Arab symbols and going, well, how would an English speaker see Muhammad written uh, to pronounce it properly as Muhammad? And it's the same thing with the Uyghurs. And this is a really shitty transliteration because if you want to say Uyghur, I'd be like W-E-E. G-U-R. But for some reason, over the this goes back to I don't know when the when the British first were in China, probably. Uyghur is a transliteration of uh that name of the people spelled in a different language, different symbols than English letters. So it comes out as U. Well, I get the title on screen there, full screen, Jim. U-Y-G-H-U-R. Uyghur exiles. And so part of the problem with this, too, is that a lot of the transliterations that we know in English from around the world are uh, holdovers from the British Empire. And so they, 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 they're like it, to the Brits, it's like British English, like Uyghur, oh, we know how to say that. Uh, and then Xinjiang, like you wouldn't like if you were a, a, an American English speaker, like if you spoke, spoke real English as opposed to that silly British shit, uh, that, that old, old English. Uh, you wouldn't say it that way. You look at Uyghur the way it's spelled. What the fuck is that? And it's because it's a transliteration. And I believe, like so many, it's 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 a holder from the British Empire colonial times, or when the, the first English speakers decided to transliterate those foreign words and bring them into you know the, the English vernacular, so to speak. Three Uyghurs, Uyghurs. Excuse me, even I have like I read it. I go whoa. Uh, three. Now I can't do it. You got three, this. Three Uyghurs who fled. This is a fucked up story. This is really this is a big one. We haven't covered this enough, um, even on Adam versus the Man. Certainly, the the American mainstream media has grossly undercovered it because this might be the greatest human rights crisis of our time. Three Uyghurs who fled from China to Turkey have described forced abortions and torture by Chinese authorities in China's far western Xinjiang region, ahead of giving testimony to a People's Tribunal. In London, that is investigating if Beijing's actions against ethnic Uyghurs amount to genocide. Um, and I say may, maybe, and it's like, you know, maybe, maybe our current worst human rights crisis. It's not a contest, okay, people. Uh, but the reason it's, it, I say may is that we don't know. Like the Chinese government still today capable of a lot of secrecy and it's pretty fucked up how what extent they're going to hide the i mean is it genocide or not like an arbitrary definition line i don't know 
um, it's 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 a massive fucked up oppression that's being done in secret. Like, how does the world put up with this? Oh yeah, China's big government got a lot of money. They throw their weight around. We do, we do. You you can't if you piss off because it, it's it, what it comes down to is the people of America don't care enough to tell our government, hey, we don't want to do business with people who are committing human rights abuses. Let's let's cut out China because there's too much cheap plastic shit that Americans are buying from. We would. We would be more upset by the implications of doing something about this problem as the collective of America uh, than, than we are about the problem. And so the media sweeps it under the rug and presents, you know, talks about China like they're not in the middle of a genocide. Like you can't talk about China today and not say, oh, yeah, that country that's committing genocide. Mike Freeman. But Disney loves that province. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of money. And they're the ones that control the American government. So fuck the people of Northern China, fuck the Uyghurs, let them die because you know Disney's got to make their movies, got to sell, got to sell movies in China. China's got to sell plastic shit at Walmart. And if that stops, well, you know the whole economy falls apart. So we'll kill people to keep the economy going. That's why people hate capitalism because government calls this bullshit of statism, capitalism. Um, this is actually, I mean, you put it like that, this is corporate because the corporations in the United States that control the U.S. government, because most Americans are good people. And if we said, oh, yeah, we could we could just like not buy cheap plastic shit from China for a couple months and they'll stop murdering people en masse. OK, yeah, let's let, let's get together. But things we don't do that because we don't have that awareness because we're all status. We trust the American federal government to manage our trade relations with China. And that means that the corporations control it and that both governments get away with massive human rights abuses. I to I, they have so much people in a horrible cash crisis. Pollution. Yeah. So the pollution thing, remember Parkinson's and pollution, we're coming back to that, but <clears throat> the three witnesses include a woman who said she was forced into an abortion at six and a half months pregnant. A former doctor spoke of draconian birth control policies and a former detainee who allegedly was tortured day and night by Chinese soldiers while he was in prison in the remote border region. They spoke to the Associated Press of their experiences before testifying by video link to the independent UK tribunal, which is expected to draw dozens of witnesses when it opens four days of, excuse me, of hearings on Friday. So apparently the UK, the former empire now not so consumed with imperialist aims as the American federal government, perhaps the balance is different there, at least enough that they're able to have a tribunal, a hearing, an official inquiry. And, you know, I, I'm suspicious of this too. Because if you remember first Gulf war, Joey, I know you're old enough. Were you paying attention? Do you remember the, the, uh, the big false propaganda story that triggered the first Gulf war? It wasn't just Iraq invading Kuwait. I don't. It wasn't I, slant drilling. I don't remember what was said. I remember my grandfather sitting in front of the TV, angry as hell. Yeah. That's what he was doing. You know why? Yelling at the media yeah. and just, he was living. It was a whole event for him. And he was supportive of the invasion, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was because there was a young girl, a Kuwaiti girl, who just so happened to be connected to powerful families in Kuwait who testified in front of an emergency congressional hearing in the United States, in D.C., that the Iraqi soldiers invading Kuwait were killing babies in incubators in hospitals. Completely fabricated story. Wasn't happening, huh? Didn't happen. Wow. Yeah, look it up. You look so up. everybody was rooting us on for being, you know, these saviors of the world again, huh? So, and it wasn't the case. 
I'm I I, I you don't want to it's again like evil people fighting. You don't you know uh, you don't carry Espinosa. The media is run by the cabal. Yeah. Um, you, you, when you see two evil people fighting, you just hope they both kill each other somehow, right? And it's like when, when I see these governments, you know, go and this is this beautiful part of human evolution that governments are held to a higher standard of human rights, respect, right? And it's happening because that equation that I described in the United States plays out slightly differently in the UK. Now, I'm I'm suspicious that, and, and I know I I know for a fact because this is how governments work that the crimes of China at some point will be overblown by some massive world power, government agency, military, NGO, whatever, that is going to profit from addressing it. They're not using this, oh, we need to invade China. Um, but there's there's so much money at stake, fortunes to be won and lost, that there is going to be a huge manipulation around this. But I have no doubt from what I've seen so far of the Chinese government doing this in secret that something serious is up in the remote northern border regions of China. And we will continue to cover this story. To Iran, briefly, Wall Street Journal, Iran nuclear fuel production plummets after Natanz explosion. New report gives first concrete insight into impact of alleged sabotage in April at nation's main nuclear facility. And of course, they're blaming Israel, hopefully no longer an issue with Netanyahu out. But uh, yeah, the government of Iran is blaming the government of Israel, and historically speaking, uh, knowing their histories, I'm much more inclined to believe Iran. Now, I would say, uh, I would refer, or refer you to my YouTube video called The Restraint of Muslims and going, well, if that's the case, how can Palestine endure so much? How can Iran, how can Iraq, after how can Afghanistan, after everything that the United States government has subjected these countries to and the Israeli government as, as a team, as a tag team of oppression and war. Uh, it, it, it is actually uh, a continuation of the trend of the great restraint of the Arab world from retaliating against invading forces. Uh, the idea of, of, of vengeance and brutality on the largest scale as we know in war and genocide. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to defend Arabs as a race say that they are somehow uniquely more humane, but certainly Recent historical trends would suggest that uh, at least Muslims or Arabs uh, are, 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 are you fucking kidding me? The video has been taken down. The video is, what does no, it say? That's like your most viewed video. The following content has been identified by the YouTube community as inappropriate or offensive to some audience. Oh, okay, cool. So you can click through. I No, no. And that, go, go ahead and click on the test. This is, this is, this, this just proves how fucked up YouTube sent them go also the title says in big letters warning graphic violence you know because YouTube didn't have that option but uh, to sort of like put you know a, a, a warning on for yourself when you post this video and now you do like age restriction right? all sorts of stuff so that's okay but the fact that YouTube can so easily do that shows they should never censor any fucking video same thing with Facebook because I mean, they've been doing this in a limited way too anyway now to Pollution and Parkinson's, as promised, studyfinds.org, living on a busy road could trigger 
Parkinson's disease study warrants. Now, Parkinson's is, uh, you know, people shake. It is a neurological disorder, and, and, and it, is, uh, it, it is pretty severe, and it's actually a lot more common than you think. A lot of people have it in subtle ways, and it, it can be progressive, right? It gets worse over time. But it's uh, one of those diseases that leads people to be shut-ins, you know, and it's, 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 a, it's a very sad one. But here's the really sad part is that it might be because of pollution. We might, it might be something that, you know, we are, we are making happen more than a natural phenomenon. Now, to what extent is it natural versus just, you know, product of shit in the air? But uh, here's the study. Living on a busy road could trigger Parkinson's disease, according to new research. People exposed to dirty air are around one and a half times more prone to the devastating condition. Corresponding author, Professor Sun Ju Chung of the University of Olsen College of Medicine in Seoul calls for a targeted public health policy in response to the findings. These findings suggest regulation of air pollutants might reduce the incidence, says Chung for Southwest News Service. Now, for study, uh, for perspective on uh, the United States, according to the Parkinson's Foundation, about 1 million people in the U.S. currently suffer from the condition. Now, that's not a lot. I mean, it's a lot in perspective. But you think there are 330 million Americans. Is a third of a third of the percent, third of a percent of the population, one in 330 Americans has Parkinson's. And it's because, I mean, I, I, yeah, we can blame government, but at a deeper level, it's it's blaming human negligence, right? You, you, you blame government kind of secondary, indirectly here for all the ways that it's handled pollutions, protected polluters. Um, you know, at least government, we can say, uh, has, has slowed us down in addressing these problems, made us harder, made it harder for us to deal with that kind of negligence. Doctors diagnose 60,000 Americans with the disease each year. Last year, a study of 63 million Americans found air pollution was linked to a deterioration in health conditions, including Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease. Now, this study says one and a half times, if you're exposed to air, one and a half times more prone to the devastating condition. Well, where is their cleaning? Not a lot of places. By the way, in Asia, Beijing, especially a lot of Chinese cities where they have these mega cities with little pollution controls, there's just smog days. People wear masks to protect themselves from the pollution. The cities partially, a lot of cities in Asia partially shut down with smog warnings the way that LA should have been doing a long time ago. Uh, th th that it does sort of in limited, oh, I guess not in COVID, not enough traffic, right? Uh, <clears throat> the so, uh, in this latest study, researchers say toxic particles can travel through the bloodstream into the brain, causing inflammation and oxidative stress. Specifically, the phenomenon is linked to nitrogen dioxide, NO2, emitted by vehicles and industry, the greenhouse gas produced through the combination of com uh, the combustion of fossil fuels is 300 times more potent than carbon dioxide. As uh, he said, the, uh, the development of Parkinson's may be promoted by exposure to air pollution. His team tracked almost 80,000 people over 40 in the South Korean capital for almost a decade. Five-year average district levels of smog were calculated for each residential address. Is, is this like a decade? It took us this long to figure out that like, you know, breathing car exhaust in quantity was bad. Is this, is this going to motivate no, people? Let's get it on paper. I, yeah, right. I, I mean, I, there have been plenty of other studies, of course. But I, I mean, I, I, one and a half times more likely to get Parkinson's if you live on, like, I, 
fuck your cities. Seriously, like really fuck your city. Like, you know, may may your chains rest lightly upon you and may posterity forget that ye were our countrymen. I, I to anybody who lives in a city, I want to say, may your may your pollution cause you a painless death. Like comfortable and almost addicted to it. I grew up in a big city. I I, I it, 20 years ago, I would have told you I'd never live outside of a city. There was no way until I started traveling. But you get comfortable. You get used to all the, the bus lines and the social programs and, and what you can say and what you can't say and the level of comfort and what alley you can go the through. Which of one the you middle can. of the herd. You get stuck with the football fans or the, the, the bar flies. and Tribalism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Karius, when those and corporations and billionaire investors are responsible, um, yeah, uh, but if government goes to them and says, Hey, weaponize me and, and be 10 times worse, you know, they're partners, they're partners in this, but that's why at a, at a, at a deeper level, you know, I, I want, I want to blame human negligence because that can be addressed. I mean, maybe not directly, but awareness. We see uh, the more aware you are of the consequences of your actions, the more the less likely you are to be negligent in dealing with them eye to eye. Our autism rates higher in more polluted cities. <clears throat> um, you know, I would I would say check out the show notes. If you look at that article, studyfinds.org, it's linked to some of those sources in that other American study that that looked at all of that and said you know, showed the variety of, of other. Uh, health effects associated with pollution so two more in our parkinson's and pollution washington post a burning ship covered beautiful beaches in plastic snow now sri lanka faces an environmental disaster and some of the pictures uh really horrific um one of the worst environmental crises in its history for sri lanka is tons of potentially toxic debris from a fire aboard a container ship blanket miles of its western coastline. The South Asian country's military said it had subdued the blaze aboard the MV Express Pearl over the weekend after more than a week of raging flames and billowing black smoke. And the thing is, if you knew that you would be properly held accountable for damages like this, as opposed to protected from liability by governments, boats without ships without adequate protections against fire to prevent such a uh, disaster from happening uh, just it wouldn't happen uh yeah, the, the corporate organization around massive efforts like anything that puts a, sh a ship in the water uh there's paperwork there's insurance you know i mean there's since humans were able to build large boats we've been able to manage the risks from them intelligently and for all of that time, governments have had a hand in protecting people from being responsible for their actions. And those types of people are then attracted to those industries and go, yeah, let's put it out there and make money. Shit gets fucked up. We're not going to be held responsible. Similar story from U.S. Right to Know, USRTK.org, from Mercedes and the Producers Club. Environmental catastrophe in Nebraska tied to pesticide contaminating plants. See regulatory documents regarding alt and neonicotinoid problems. Environmental catastrophe is unfolding in Nebraska. Unfolding in Nebraska is drawing scrutiny from around the U.S. and sparking questions about why regulators were unwilling 
or unable to rein in years of questionable activities by the company known as Alt-N LLC. Alt-N has been operating an ethanol plant in Mead, Nebraska, and advertising the plant site as a disposal facility for seeds coated in an array of pesticides known to be dangerous to humans and wildlife. I mean, so many bigger problems with this. And I want to say, fuck your cities, but really it's fuck your apathy. Because it happens in the country too. A lot less. And without the phenomenon of massive industrial and auto pollution. Uh, and it's a lot easier to escape it like we do here in Gardenia and live healthy out of city limits. Um, but I, I love it when uh, when people ask me, hey, what city you, city you live in? Because now I tell them, what city do I live in? Real libertarians don't live in cities. And with that, let's go back to Steve, our co-host today, checking in before we get to our guest, Jess Mears, in just a couple minutes for a comment contest. I know we've had some fun ones here. Worst thing you did as a kid? Oh, man. we got So we got we got one funny one, and we got one kind of messed up one. So <laughs> that's, yeah. So this is from E. Vincent W. Go ahead, read it. I was in a foster at nine years old. I was taunting my stepbrother tapping on a glass door. The glass broke and a tiny shard went in his left eye and my horseplay permanently injured his eye. Ooh. Oof. Ooh. You know what? We can blame government for that too. Why are <laughs> children being housed in facilities without safety glass? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I, like, I'm, you know, I, that's, that's totally true. Like, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joking with this. Like, you look at the evolution. I mean, it's just one of those hidden costs of government. Right, the unseen costs, because we have the technology, we've had it for decades to have better, safer glass everywhere and cheaply replace every dangerous glass pane in this country if necessary. And the fact that it hasn't been done, and I don't mean we don't need to. I don't, I'm not making the case. Maybe we don't. Maybe it doesn't make sense to go back and replace everything. But since we've had the technology, the fact that it hasn't been used with full capacity in new homes and construction, yeah. That we have slowed down the development of safer glass in our homes. Oh yeah, we can blame oh, government. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's the next one? Uh, this is from you, one two three eight eight one. Me and my buddy snuck a can of mace into the men's room of a Bob's Big Boy. We sprayed some and then ran out and waited to watch people <laughs> come out choking. <laughs> That's why I belong here. You guys are miscreants. I swear. Don't make you do that. <laughs> yeah, right. They're no, just helping people toughen up. <laughs> it's a service. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm like, so the kid in me is going, wait, you set it off in the bathroom? You didn't come up with a remote control <laughs> device to like set it off remotely so you could sit in the restaurant and not be caught and just be like, and boom, and Does then it, watch people come out to you and not be exposed? His follow-up um, is, his follow-up is, I first tried the can on my friend to see what the stuff will do. <laughs> Yeah, and if you haven't seen Adam versus the pepper spray and the taser, there's another YouTube classic to enjoy. You can watch me taking it straight to the eyeballs. Um, yeah, use it on yourself before you use it on anyone else. I do the same thing with shock collars with dogs. I'll shock myself and be like, "Okay, I'm just gonna buzz you." Uh, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna do the shock part. Um, I was setting up an electric fence for some animals, and I was like, "Man, how do I test this?" And I, I got it all wired up and grounded, and I. I actually had my dad grab the wire <laughs> to see if it was charged. <laughs> Normally, you make your kid do that. You tricked your no. dad. Oh no, no, my kids were my kids weren't around, so I was like, "Hey, dad, can you see if this is?" And my dad just—I mean, there were some curse words. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. All right, well, keep those comments coming. 
Get your questions for Jess Mears. This is going to be a fun one because she's going to try to pitch us on Clubhouse. Like, really, the world needs another social media app. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is my old friend Jess Mears. She has a long resume, policy activist, public speaker, and political trainer, as, as she likes to be identified. Uh, she has served key leadership roles, as I mentioned before, in the LP, uh, worked for the most successful presidential campaigns with governors Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. Although, Jess, you, you know better than to brag about working with Bill Weld in the LP at this point. Ah. Uh, and Dr. Joe Jorgensen as deputy campaign manager in 2020, uh, been a grassroots activist since the late 2000s. Uh, volunteered on dozens of campaigns, state and local and national, of course, and was working for the LP, uh, fundraising and membership. Very, I, I said a, a handful of titles, I don't titles, titles, formality, formality, but she's done serious national level top of the fundraising effort for the LP and membership drives for the LP. Um, and, and man, does she have the hustle. I, I know from my campaign, getting around seeing her for years, I, I had the honor of sharing a stage with her and plugging membership a couple times even. And uh, she she's a just hardcore advocate of the party. I mean, I I just mirrors for chair of the LP eventually. I mean, it's got to <laughs> I can't see. I really can't see you ending up at a, a whole lot of other places. But um, let's see. Do, do I need to read more of this? Um, so she was the clerk of the boards of uh, Lakewood Ranch. Um, an alumni of, or an alum of, alum, alum, what is, I don't, I don't know the, the Latin, excuse me, University I of went Cincinnati, to college. <laughs> college graduate, uh, with yes. a BA in communications and public relations, and of course to work for, uh, and see, this is, I'm Jess, I, Jess is so hardcore, she's willing to live in a city for her activism, sacrificing her health for your freedom, living in Alexandria, Virginia, which is Barely oh. out, yeah. Uh, oh. uh, Joey knows. <laughs> uh, barely an extent. Barely outside. That's that's. Is it in the Beltway or outside the Beltway? Like Doesn't matter. In the Beltway. It's yeah. in. It's in the Beltway. It's yeah. the DC sprawl. It's Alexandria, Virginia. LP headquarters got to be there. Just mirror's got to be there. But it's gross. Um, she's got two rescue dogs living with her, of course. Um, a fellow dog lover, and. Um, so yeah, Jess Mears, welcome to the show. Great to have you back. Thanks, Adam. How are you? Excellent, excellent. This is kind of a fun conversation too for oh, a yeah. catch up Thursday. Adam versus the man. Now, I, I, I mean, is there, is there anything you want to cover? I mean, I, my platform is at your service as always. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about your your new work for AFP? At least plug your current yes. employer and yeah. uh, anything else before we get into Clubhouse. Yeah. So I'm coming to Arizona in June and July, and I'm going to be speaking to groups and people about the filibuster rule. And so I'm looking to connect with people. So if anyone's in Arizona, if you have a group that meets regularly or you want to get them together, I would love to come and speak to your group. Also kind of want to meet with some key people in Arizona and talk about the filibuster rule and what's going on with it and why it's so important in Arizona right now. So um, would love to talk about that with Arizonans. And I know you have a lot of Arizonans since you live in Arizona, Adam. And also it'd be great. Um, I would like to share a petition link if anybody is interested in keeping the filibuster rule. So um, that way you can put your information in this link and then it'll send it to your senator to let your senator know that you would like the filibuster rule to stay in place. 
Now, Jess, I, I should, for the politically ignorant or people who know better than to dive into politics like this in our audience, a little background on the filibuster. We're talking about the, the structure of the United States Senate, whereby mm -hmm. you need a 60 vote supermajority out of 100 senators to get something done if the 40 in the minority or 40 plus in a minority on any issue choose to block with a filibuster by simply denying procedurally something coming to a vote. And there's a little more technical mm -hmm. stuff about how that works yeah. in the Senate. But this is in addition, this is this is what is more relevant when people talk about the filibuster than what is popularly known as the filibuster is the individual talks in filibusters and says, well, right. I have a right to speak. So until I shut up, you can't do anything, um, which is fun and should be used more. And, you know, here's to Rand for the best recent example of it. Um, but what we're talking about is is a significant power play. And a lot of my audience would be like, Adam, why, why the hell do you care? Isn't this just like bullshit mechanics of the crime organization, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but this is a worthwhile cause intervening. And it makes sense that Jess would be, be involved in something like this, although I know she'd rather be doing LP stuff. Uh, because it, maintenance of the filibuster is, is at least a significant check on runaway government. Is, is that a fair summary, Jess? Yeah. So the filibuster rule basically just says that you have to have a 60 vote in order to end the discussion in conversation. And I think all Americans are best served when our legislators really get into and debate whether or not a law should be changed or added. I mean, laws are, in, in some cases, um, can be used to kill people. So these are, this is like life or death. And so we really want to make sure that any laws that are coming through that get passed or voted down, that our senators have a chance to debate it and talk about it. So ending the filibuster rule would mean that votes could just happen without debate. And that is a bad thing for our country. It's a bad thing for um, U.S. citizens. So I'm excited to come out to Arizona and talk more about this and um, would really like if people could check out the petition and um, and add their information, send it to their senators that they do support keeping the filibuster rule intact. That way our senators have to do their jobs and really actually read bills and talk about them. The only part of me that really opposes your effort, aside from the fact that I would rather I would rather see you running for office as a libertarian. <laughs> I would rather see your face on billboards and buses and, and your wonderful smile out there representing my party to voters. But uh, the only argument I have against this is the collapsitarian and me going, well, fuck, just let government run away and it's going to go away faster, you know? Um, yeah. With that being said, anything else on that subject? Anything else you want to promote before we jump into Clubhouse? Let's talk about Clubhouse. I'm coming out to Arizona. I've got a 45-minute presentation on the filibuster rule. It's like kind of wonky and stuff. So we'll get into it when I'm out there in the state. But I want to talk to you about why I think you should be on Clubhouse and every single member of your audience should be on Clubhouse. Are you getting paid for this? Is there some reform? No. Are you trying to get followers? Are you just... Now, because you're just looking at this as a libertarian activist going, this oh, is the yeah. evolution of social media. This is a platform yeah. we should be on because it's, it's you know. Yeah. So give us give us the first conceptual premise. How does it work? Okay, so 
Clubhouse is new. It's disruptive social media. It's audio only. You can be doing it in your pajamas and no one's going to see you. Like these Zoom meetings after a year of coronavirus, we are all fatigued and burnt out of like having our faces on a screen looking at us and other people looking at us and looking in our homes. Um, Clubhouse is totally the solution to this. It is, you can use it for so many different things. I like to use it for learning. I feel like I've gotten a master's degree in rocket science because I am listening in and participating in conversations with the space industry. I've connected with Jim Green. He is NASA's chief scientist and talked with him on Clubhouse. So I'm learning about space and um, loving it. So besides learning, you can do other things. I'm bringing libertarians together and creating community on Clubhouse. I am holding um, conversations with in panels with Congressman Justin Amash. So that way, Congressman Amash can get to know people better, answer questions. They can get to know him. Um, I'm using it to make friends. I've made really cool friends that I'm going to go meet up with in the near future. So they're no longer social media friends and become real life friends. I'm using it to um, just like for so many different purposes, like all the things that you do with social media, you can do it on Clubhouse. Clubhouse, but the, there's a lot of differences between like Twitter and Facebook and Clubhouse because you have to use your voice. It's audio only. There's no chat mm-hmm. feature. There's no video feature. You just, it's you, your voice and other people and their voices. And you can listen, you can participate, mm-hmm. you can choose your own experience, but it really does help to break down barriers between people. And I'm hoping by the time we wrap up this conversation that I will have persuaded every single one of your listeners to join it. And Adam, I want to even talk to you why I think it's a good thing for you and your listeners to be on the platform. Okay, Jess. So before we get into like more of how does this work and practical, mm-hmm. like I'm going to, you know, try to poke holes and testing things. I got two Go for like, it. bigger, bigger got questions because this started iPhone exclusive only. So it's a uh-huh. bunch of authoritarian liberal you, you suck ups. Like, is that the, like, that's that. Okay. But no, it's not that I'm not, the demographic is a, Small, smaller concern. I, I love my friends on iPhones too. It's okay, people. Uh, but the bias there from the beginning suggests at least a particular corporate bias. Is this is this an Apple product? Is this an independent company? Can we trust who's behind? So that's my first big question. Well, my second sure. big question is. Why invest in what is, I don't want to say, I mean, you say it's an evolutionary disruptive, disruptive, right? Disruptive in social media. But I'm like, well, why would I invest in this when there's crypto and blockchain based social media that might blow it all out of the water on the horizon? So those two big questions. Yeah. Well, to answer um, the the second question, why would you do it? What's the harm in trying? If you find it, if you do, if you get on it, you find out it doesn't seem to work for you and you're not enjoying it, then maybe what did you waste? 20, 30 minutes. So let me interrupt for a second on that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and wasted effort is not significant. But I, I wanna I wanna I wanna address this comment that our, our co-host put on screen here from Benny Bills on YouTube. Clubhouse mm-hmm. is infiltrated just like TikTok. Sorry, hun. Now <laughs> demeaning use of the word hun there aside uh the suspicion of it being infiltrated of course every social media platform yeah. is infiltrated that's like you have no guarantee of privacy using technology ever like that's uh, yeah. 
yeah. and there's people on those platforms with agendas but infiltrated sure. like tiktok no tiktok we know is you know, a manipulated curated conversation by a chinese corporation right yeah and it's, people like it and they love so, it and they're using it <laughs> so one thing of one level of social media infiltration is like well duh, that's how it works yeah but that other level if you want to take that as a question yeah too, so um the company um the and let's get into why it was iphone only for so long the creators of the company wanted to have a really good product and turns out when you're creating apps you have to have like different features between the apple devices and the Android devices. And so they went with, let's get it right on Apple and let's like do it in beta mode. And then we'll eventually release it to the Droid devices. So it's now available to all Android users. But the other thing about Clubhouse is there's a waitlist component. So I shared with the producers a link that people can use to get past the waitlist and join if you would like to. It's a link for a club I started and I have no like ulterior motive with it. I just started a club because I could and it will allow like over 900 people to join the platform and skip the waitlist. You're welcome to use it. Or you can just download the app on your phone and somebody will eventually let you in, one of your friends. So many people are on this platform now that you probably won't have a, a long uh, wait time to get onto the app, but they they really care about the user experience. So they're, they're trying to make it so that this app is like really good for you and that you're going to enjoy it. So they put it out on iPhone only first in beta and they're coming out of beta soon. So it's a, been an evolution, evolutionary like process for them to create this all like ultimately um, the best product they can give for you. So you're going to enjoy your experience. So the people that started funding it um, probably in April of 2020, uh, Mark Andreessen, he invented the internet browser and um, his company gave like a $100 million um, buy-in to Clubhouse and um, they're hiring jobs right now. They're growing. So this is like a scaling platform, but it was also just a kind of like an experiment. They wanted to create this new social media platform and see if it takes off. And for me personally, it has been the best thing that's happened to me since I got on it. Like I love Clubhouse and that's why I was like, Adam, let me talk to you you and your audience about clubhouse because i want the i want people to have what i have like i love this and i want to share with you why i think like your platform and what you do here on adam versus the man is different than what you can do on clubhouse sure sure so i i should say uh they do seem very well organized i don't know if you want to talk about the growth and the formula behind it with yeah. a million users after 4.3 million downloads on the app i think i saw there's After, way more than like there are mil like way 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 more. It is going. It's Android growing crazy. I was oh, just okay. Apple app. Yeah. So like, I if you want, I I I, I wonder if this is. I mean, hundred million dollars from Mark Andreessen, he could turn this into a charity business, essentially like Telegram, right? And mm -hmm. I I know I I love Telegram for the same reason. And if if we had a, it may be. Before we get fully functional uh, blockchain-based social media that renders the rest obsolete and something truly, you know, open source, mesh net, internet based, maybe the evolution of social media is nonprofits. You know, that's essentially what Telegram, and I love Telegram. Like, what's their business model? We take donations. We provide the best communication service we can based on the donations we get. And thanks to, I forget, I should know the guy's name. 
because I'm such a champion of Telegram this way. Uh, they have the one primary seed funder who donated, you know, millions and millions and got the thing going. Um, what's the business model? Can you talk about the growth model? And and are you hopeful that it it becomes that, or is it is it sort of set up to be a business? I need to um, I need to download Telegram. I'm going to Porkfest, and I know that they'll be using it for Porkfest. So right. I um, need to get the app. So I'll be doing that. <laughs> and but what um, what they're doing mm. with Clubhouse is it mostly started with Silicon Valley, and so there's a big investor class that got onto the app early. So I have actually been able to have Mark Andreessen or Andreessen, um, listen to me having conversations and he followed me and I didn't know it. And, um, one of my friends called me and was like, how do you know him? And I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? I don't know who this is. And they're like, the internet browser creator well, is I'm, following I'm, you I'm on clubhouse. clubhouse. <laughs> uh, yeah. He was like, he's following you. And I'm like, I, I don't know who he is, but that's really <laughs> badass because, who knows? Like, I don't know what I said to get this guy to follow me, but he heard something. I said something that this, I'm talking to you right now on an internet browser. A man that created it, created the internet browser, knows who I am and thought I was interesting. So the, uh, is it ad-free, subscription supported? Is it, what, what, what are they doing? It's ad-free. Um, I don't know how they'll eventually make this a uh, revenue generator for them. So not sure exactly on that, <clears throat> but um, you, you, there's no cost at the moment. And the creators, they do a weekly town hall that I listen into because I mm. love the app so much that I wanna know about like what's going on. They are all about creator first. You, the creator, are you're in charge, and they want your experience to be amazing. So, like, I would like to kind of um, hold this up to my camera so you guys can kind of see what the app looks like if you're if you're not on it and you want to get on it. So, this is like the what the app looks like. You can see there are right now people in a room talking. So, this is like the first room that's available, mm -hmm. and then as I scroll through, you can see there's another room available. So, like tech news around the world, there are 648 people in that room right now. 35 of them are talking. Um, so you can kind of see like what's going on. It's to me, it's like an entertainment. I don't really like TV. I don't like movies that much, but I love people. I am a huge people person. I like learning. I like experiencing things and I'm meeting people all around the world. I have a really cool friend in Australia. I've never met in person. He used to work with Peter Thiel and he's mm. an angel investor. And this is like a cool person that I'm adding into my life and into my network. Like he's giving me advice about, you know, life and career. And he, he, this is somebody that like, I would never have found if it wasn't for clubhouse randomly putting us together. Hmm. So it's it, sort of a startup that could go either way. I mean, we, we, we could see it. I mean, if it, if it, if it, if it doesn't have sort of donor support, keeping it going, that's kind of what it is. It's investors who want to own a piece yeah. of it. But for now, with you know very you know, moderate chance of, of return on investment, because <clears throat> with something like this, it's pretty fragile. If, if they yeah. go, all right, we built it. Let's screw our right. customers and turn on monetization and flood it with ads. Poof. Right. Yeah. It was valued at like a hundred dollars at the beginning and probably something more like 5 billion now or something like that. But um, I don't know what they're going to do. And 
And if I find out, I'll report back and share with you. But what I care about is what it's doing for me right now. And yep. it is everything. Community is everything. And Clubhouse builds community. It breaks down barriers between people. There was this room called Israelis and Palestinians meet. It went on for seven days nonstop. And it had over 350,000 people join in the room and listen to the conversation. I mean, this is a hot topic. And for people to come together and talk about these things, it's an important part of civil discourse. Um, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds amazing that you could host that conversation. That alone makes it a worthwhile effort to say, yeah. hey, yeah, let's, I mean, I, this is why I am a fan of social media as a way of using the internet conceptually of accelerating the human conversation and connection yeah. and making conversations like that happen. But right away, I, I, I mean, I have a couple couple sort of suspicions, uh, okay. uh, questions in, in the mechanics. I was like, and I'm, I'm very excited by the possibility of businesses of this nature, social networks starting like this, more on the Telegram model, displacing the Facebook model, and that this has the potential yeah. to do that. But when I, yes. I think about, like, aside from the censorship, what's the next most evil thing on Facebook? It's how they control our feeds. You know, mm -hmm. they tell you this, like, you know, maybe maybe a friend. And it, it, you know, making an important announcement or a neighbor that you really want to know about gets pushed down because there's some flame war going on some yeah. stupid political post that someone put up there, as opposed to like a straight, honest, chronological feed. And actually, yeah. by the way, I'm going to sidebar plug Telegram here because a lot of content creators who have been censored, like me, are creating that channel, t.me slash Adam versus the man, where if you, if you have a Telegram app, you can use it for messaging. But you can use it for uh, an unbiased feed of whatever groups or content creators you mm -hmm. follow or your members of their groups on Telegram. So it's both text mess. It's, it's really more text and voice messaging app that does groups that allows you to create a group that's a broadcast group that people can now have in their Telegram feed with alerts. And to me, escaping that bias in the feed, the content control is, is critically important. So are they trying to use some kind of algorithm in this? Yeah, definitely. They're working on, and I just heard on Sunday, they're, they're focusing at this moment on the discoverability feature to make sure that the users coming on are seeing content that they're going to be interested in. And I could literally talk forever about Clubhouse. Like, I love it so much. Like there <laughs> people are doing knowledge exchange and helping each other. Like it's I mentioned how it really started like Silicon Valley, the investor class, but there's a lot of people like, here's a room I want to show you. Um, Crypto talk, Bitcoin, Doge, Ethereum, Shiba, AMC is on fire. That is a conversation happening right now. People are like, sharing with people how to use cryptocurrency or how to start a business or um, angel investing 101 AMA. Like these are things that are happening that you could choose to plug into and listen to. I personally liked listening to space related conversations. Um, when ingenuity flew for the first time on Mars, I was celebrating on clubhouse with the space industry. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. It was like a moment that I'm never going to forget. And um, somebody said that they are a nonprofit executive and they got their largest donation ever because of a clubhouse conversation. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of people out there that are investors um, 
that are looking for the next things to invest in. So I, that's I, really I exciting. Is, I mean, I, I hear you mention, I think about my own nonprofit. We just started Homefront sure. Battle Buddies to help vets come to retreats and explore alternative. Oh my gosh, yes. The but veteran community like, is there. The conversation specifically around that. But this raises another question for me and how this works. That's very big. I mean, you said like Israeli, mm -hmm. Israelis and Palestinians conversation was thousands of people over seven days. I assume it's not everybody trying to talk at once. How are conversations posted moderate? Yeah. You must have they must have figured out something new here, right? Sure. So like I mentioned, the platform, their philosophy is creator <laughs> first. You get to choose what it is that you are doing as the creator. All control is in your hands. You can click like, I'm going to click start a room and I can start like, I can start an open room, a closed room, a social room. I can start a room in a club. Um, but if I start a room, I can set the topic and I set the rules. I choose who gets to be a moderator with me. I choose who, who gets to stay in the room. I can kick people mm -hmm. out. I can tell them, no, you're mm -hmm. not allowed to talk. Okay. It's, it's all okay. in my hands. And the way I've started using this, um, I, I do it. I use Clubhouse in so many ways. I use it to make friends and talk to people and have like social time um, because like, like I could, you know, make some more friends and I have now. Great. It's awesome. I love my friends, but <laughs> I've also um, hit a real stride with having um, an opportunity to host rooms for Congressman Justin Amash. So we've had, um, uh, once the Android users were on, we welcomed Spike Cohen and had a, a welcome party for Spike and Congressman Amash was on. We had a welcome party for Dave Smith with Congressman Amash. And that got a lot of attention and brought a lot of people from the Mises Caucus onto the platform. And let's see, what else have we done? Um, Congressman Amash talked about vaccine passports and we've had Matt and Terry Kibbe joining these conversations. So there's been a lot of things that have been happening without you guys on this app. And I'm kind of like, that's why I'm like, Hey, Adam, let me on your show yeah. so I can talk to your followers so we can get them All on right. because we're having so much fun. And these conversations are breaking down barriers, bringing libertarians together. And, you know, like I hate Facebook because it's just like, people are like typing on it's keyboards, toxic. like you suck, you no, suck, you're horrible. No, no, it's, it's 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 not even you know what I it's the concept the mechanics of Facebook except for the biased feed and the censorship and the control of comments mm -hmm. Facebook's fucking amazing, but because of that attempt to use it to censor to control it has become so toxic. Yeah, and so, it's also so, like it's it's bad for you. It's bad people, for you to be on Facebook. People it's like crazy. they'll read something and they'll be like, I disagree with this. I disagree with this person. And then they'll go look at like their pictures of their house and their kids and their family. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, I hate this person because they look happy yeah. in their pictures. Yeah. And then they're yeah. going to be like, yeah. like it's Facebook just, it's weird. Care because it's an advertising revenue. Yeah. Model. They're making they so much money. Their, 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 their primary objective yeah. is to keep your eyes watching ads that's it facebook yeah it feeds well, into well, hate well. shout out every other motivation every because and facebook i will say and it's it, it has been an incredible tool how many conversations sure. have happened on facebook that couldn't have happened? yeah how many but when you see that potential and you see how much it's being held back it really motivates me to be social media conscious at very least yeah. and engage and, and have conversations like this so jess i'm sold um, I'm ready. I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready to try this. Yay. Unfortunately, as you know, there's somebody already impersonating me mm -hmm. on Clubhouse, and and I know 
There's only one Adam Kokish in the world. It's a dumb, awkward last name. There aren't a lot of us. Uh, so what do I do? How do I jump in? And and for someone, for me as a content producer, for my audience who likes to engage yeah. with this kind of content, because I feel like what we do is our own production version of this where you can, anybody can get in any of our comments. Like, by the way, did Jim Freedom, was there a comment he wanted read on the air there? Uh, with a question for Jess before I get to the Jim Freedom says it sounds intriguing and I might even be interested, but I imagine it limits who all would join as many are uncomfortable with their ability to articulate their thoughts verbally. Okay, so yeah, that's it's, that's a fair critique, Jess. Yeah, uh, and I would love to address it. So the beauty yeah. of Clubhouse is that it's for everyone. If you're an introvert and you don't want to um, have some stage time and talk, that's perfectly fine. You can listen. That's the that's a great way to use Clubhouse is listening in on conversations. I listen mostly when I'm listening to space stuff because I'm trying to learn more because I'm not an expert on the space industry. But hey, I, I might have a master's degree in rocket science by the time I'm done with this. But you can you know you can spend time on the platform before you choose to join conversations. You can just join small conversations, large conversations. Um, I've talked to Dane Cook about the topic of Zen anarchy. I invited Dane Cook to join me in a quest for worldwide Zen anarchy on Clubhouse. Hey, no, who forgot about Dane Cook? Because I did. I, I used to listen to a lot of Dane Cook uh, back in the day, which by the way- was He's on Clubhouse day. every day giving inspirational awesome. talks. You're awesome. going to love it. It's so much fun. But here's what I want to do with you, Adam, is I know that you and your audience both care about veterans issues and ending the wars. And that's something I haven't talked about on Clubhouse yet. I would love to host a room where we talk about ending the war in Afghanistan, like what's going on with that. Um, hopefully you're watching that way closely, more closely than I am. And well, Talk about I, I, to me, it's, it's just demilitarization of the world right now. Yeah. And it, it is a really exciting possibility that if we do our jobs taking care of this generation mm -hmm. of veterans, we can be the last generation of combat veterans the world ever yeah, I'm on Clubhouse learning about space because I want to go live in space just in case like the world gets nuked. So <laughs> like no, I'm worried I'm about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we need to have another plan B in case like wait, the wait, nukes wait. come out. You need a homestead so you can be ready to leave Alexandria Beltway when that shit gets wow. nuked. Yeah, because they're going first. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking about right. moving to Texas to Starbase so that way I can get on a ship as soon as I possibly can. Get me off this planet. Beat me right, up. Well, maybe, maybe we'll have another clubhouse. We have to open a, a, a club where. I convinced Jess to come live off grid with us here in Arizona. Oh my gosh, um, Adam, you're going to love this platform so much. It is really like, it's made for people just like you. You're a person that has so much to say and you connect so well with people and podcasting and stuff like this is cool because you get to, you know, have your program and share it and share the content you want. Um, but you don't get that feedback of somebody being able to just talk with you. You get to choose who comes to talk to you. And I, I love that. That's my favorite part of Clubhouse is that you have these conversations, you get to do the whole like, you know, thing as if you have a podcast, but then your community gets to join or people with different views get to join in the conversation and you get to hear opposing 
views, differing thoughts. And to me, it's breaking down barriers around people around this world. And I think that because of Clubhouse, people have better understanding of each other and that it's giving off like this positive vibes that are going to hopefully circulate the planet. And then maybe hopefully I don't have to worry about the nukes in a few years once everybody's like chilled out. Okay. So Jess, two good questions to wrap this up. Uh, is there a way I can tell people to find me on Clubhouse based on like an email or something? Can I tell but email? So find me on Clubhouse by the end of the day. We'll have Adam at the freedomline.com yeah. my account. You'll have a handle. There. You'll have a handle once you um once you get on and we get rid of fake Adam Kokesh. You're the first person who's ever had a fake profile that I've ran into. But once we get real Adam Kokesh on Clubhouse, then um, you can just like, you know, tweet out, use the social media platforms to let people know to find you. But I want to help you get comfortable on Clubhouse. It's not, it's it's a very um, low barrier to entry to get started, but it is a little confusing at first. You do need to spend a little bit of time on it. And if people, um, when you get on Clubhouse, follow people you know because then you'll start seeing rooms like we, when you first get on you're gonna be like what is this showing me like these are things that I'm not even interested in but the algorithm really depends on who are you following they're working on making the rooms better um, it use it like radio you can listen but and you can call in so yeah, that's basically that's, what I was it is about that yeah it, it sounds yeah. more like interactive radio that's yeah kinda, that's like that's an evolutionary sure. function of social media it's very cool so finally, yeah. Jess, so that I so that I can put some appropriate images in my head while you're being ungroomed. Uh, what else are you doing while you're uh, engaging oh in conversations God. on Clubhouse? I'm doing I, yoga, I, I, Adam. Adam Kokesh, because of you, I'm doing yoga. I remember when we were in St. Petersburg, the first time you had a speaking engagement, and you're like, how do we achieve peace and, sh and stuff? And um, Stacey Sellett came and whispered in my ear to give me uh, the answer. And um, and she's like, say yoga. And I was like, no, I'm not going to say that. She's like, say yoga. And, and it was like, no, yoga. So while I'm doing Clubhouse conversations, I might be moderating a conversation with Larry Sharp, with Justin Amash, with Dave Smith, with Spike Cohen, Matt and Terry Kippy. And I'm also, I'm in yoga pants and I am um, doing yoga and exercising and trying to be healthy. Like when you're on a zoom call, I mean, you could do yoga on a zoom call, um, but it's a little weird. So this is where nobody can see you. They can just hear you. You can do whatever you want in the background. Um, you can be in your jammies and, and it's awesome. But I can't wait to get you on the platform. You're going to love it. It's going to change your life somehow. I know you've had a lot of life changes. Congrats on your marriage. Um, so lots going on for you, but you're going to be able to connect with a community that's there on Clubhouse waiting for somebody just like you, especially the veteran community. They need you on there too, because you're one of the loudest voices for veterans. So the veterans that are already there need you on there. And anybody that's listening that has thought about starting a podcast and they haven't started it yet, a clubhouse is a really good way for you to kind of like test out with like seeing if what you want to talk about is interesting to people. So like getting a podcast started costs money. You got to get microphones and you got to get the technology. You got to do some branding and advertising. You don't need any branding on clubhouse. You just need to get on it and then start like joining clubs and finding rooms and finding people and then hosting. You can also host your own conversation. So get on there and kind of like use it as a test market to find out what is it that people are interested in. Who can you work with? Maybe you can find a co-host, but use that as that low barrier to entry to getting your podcast started before you ever invest a cent into it.
Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, today Jess. Thank Always you, Adam. I will be talking to you very soon on Clubhouse. I really appreciate you having me on and your audience as well. Anyone in Arizona, feel free to reach out to me on social media. My handle is Jess for Liberty. Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me on the DMs. And I look forward to coming out to Arizona, talking about the filibuster rule. I might be able to buy drinks, maybe lunch. So um, uh, let me know if you want to get together and also get on Clubhouse. I shared with the producers a link that will get you in past the wait list, but you're going to be joining my group. It's called Space Oprah. And um, it's kind of silly and kind of fun, but my dream is the last dream I have on this planet is to become the Oprah Winfrey of space. I want to empower people to live their best lives in space. You get a star. You get a star. Get a you get a star. You get a spaceship. You get a spaceship. You yes. Get I, I, yes, yes, yes. So that's Too my silly club on Clubhouse. And anybody can use my link to get past the wait list. Um, but you can also just download it and then hopefully someone will let you in if you don't want to be part of space oprah <laughs> awesome thank you so much jess bye adam take care thanks everyone see you on clubhouse all right let's get steve back up here checking with the audience real quick as he has some producer notes as well uh twitch hit with another wave of dmca takedowns interesting maybe we'll go back to that on monday uh organ harvesting is occurring in china too mr liberty pointing that out uh, yeah, I really wanted to, to I, yeah, that does need to be mentioned in presenting the current story of what's going on in China. Um, so, Steve, what do you got for uh, any more contest entries? No, 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 no contest entries. Our, our, our comment section has been a little un unruly uh, during Jess's uh, I I don't appearance. give any attention to the troll, man. You guys are getting way too worked up about one yeah, guy with grief. Yeah. on the comment feed. <laughs> I've got it handled on this end. Uh, it is kind of one nice thing about YouTube's way. weird feature that live comments just disappear once the posters or videos. Yeah, they go away anyway, so whatever. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll take the help with the YouTube algorithms. Thank you very much to all the channels. We, we leave the food out uh, by the dumpster. Steve, comment contest. Anything? Nothing new. No? All right. So the, the lead is um, either... I think, I think you won one, too, because it's it's <laughs> funny and not ending in personal injury. So um, Also, well, because he just... W is in the Producers Club. Who is the other comment from? Uh, you won two, eight, three. One two three eight eight one six hundred nine whatever whatever his name is. You, you. All right, uh, all right. So we're we're gonna breeze through a couple couple a few couple like thirty more headlines here. Steve, thank you. We'll talk to you in a few minutes. We've got an American politics section. It's gross, and then we've got a what the fuck section. It's fun. First, from the Associated Press, Nevada OKs bill and drive for first presidential nominating state. Nevada lawmakers passed a bill on Monday that aims to make the state the first to weigh in on the 2024 presidential primary contests. The move upends decades of political tradition and is likely to prompt pushback from other early states that want to retain their places in the calendar. And it is a dumb quirk of American politics, aside from all the irrationality of disproportionate representation, blah, blah, blah. But the chronological order in the presidential primary vote is hugely influential. In fact, responsible for American obesity. You know, what, what the fuck? Yes. Iowa. Caucuses. They beat the system by saying, well, we'll all have our formal primary later, but we'll be the caucuses. And so 
the influence that Iowa has for corn subsidies that have led to uh, corn syrup being in all the foods in the grocery store is a direct result. Although there'd be some of that. So Nevada coming in, trying to get in on the game might be shaking things up. We will definitely be coming back to the story. Day, uh, New York Daily News correctional officers who slept while Jeffrey Epstein hanged himself planned to slam federal prison system at trial. Hmm. The two federal correctional officers who neglected their duties while Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, allegedly, inside a truck. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, what am I saying? <laughs> inside a troubled lower Manhattan jail, planned to defend themselves as scapegoats for a deeply dysfunctional system had they gone on trial. Tova Noel and Michael Thomas scored a deferred prosecution agreement from Manhattan federal prosecutors last Tuesday, admitting they falsely filled out paperwork certifying they conducted required rounds in inmate headcounts at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in the hours before Epstein was found dead in a cell early on August 10th, 10, 2019. Um, yeah. Hey, yo, what's being buried about Epstein now? Mm. yeah we'll just we'll oh the officers oh, we got to tie up that loose end too how are we going to do it well we'll tease the conspiracy theorists with this but we'll make it look like it's one little one more bread clump from along a diversionary trail now uh spongebob this is from dnyuz yeah we have to talk about spongebob spongebob and transformers cost u.s taxpayers four billion dollars study says dismissed by critics and devoured by fans transformers age of extinction was the top box office film in 2014, bringing in $1.1 billion, with more than three-quarters of that money coming from overseas, Viacom CBS's Paramount Pictures, which distributed the computer-animated action fest, saved much of that money by licensing the international rights to a complex strategy designed to avoid paying U.S. taxes. Now, I'm not worried about them not paying taxes, so much as I'm worried about them getting benefits that the rest of the people who are paying taxes uh, are paying for. So much of the $30 billion in non-U.S. royalty revenue brought in by the company's film and TV franchises, such as SpongeBob, Star Trek, and Mission Impossible, has not been subject to corporate taxes. Well, good for them. What did you expect? Yahoo Finance, with this story from Bloomberg, global food prices surged to near decade high, UN says. I couldn't wait to, to share this story, but should we come back to this for our COVID block on Monday? Yeah. Why is this happening? Why the runaway inflation? Why the global food prices surging to near decade high despite our ability to produce and distribute food better than ever before? COVID. CNBC companies spending more on wages and supplies but still can't find enough workers that report that. Oh, yeah. COVID. Uh, economic growth increased at a moderate pace from early April to late May, the central bank said in its periodic beige book survey of activity across its 12 districts. Companies said increasing vaccination rates as well as easing of restrictions put in place to combat the COVID-19 pandemic also helped with growth. However, they also cited accelerating inflation pressures coming from wages as well as the cost to procure input goods they need to operate. Who would take a job that doesn't pay enough to eat. Business standard. AMC stock extends surges. Reddit's retail frenzy reaches new heights. The movie theater chain has a market value of more than $30 billion, making it more valuable than at least half of the companies in the S&P 
500 index. But a lot of this is just because it's being blown up by the Reddit's retail trading army of investors. And I, I think that this is a, excuse me, it's an interesting start. It's exciting to follow this phenomenon. And it's still like you're going to, you're going to fight the man by giving the man your money for a piece of one of the man's companies. Remember this was GameStop from Reddit. And now, now they're, they're on AMC. Good luck. Washington Post, he bashed a police chief on Facebook. Then the chief threatened fake charges unless he deleted it. Fed say, yeah. Last March, West Hazleton, Pennsylvania, police chief Brian Buglio summoned a man to the police station to deliver an ultimatum, <laughs> federal prosecutors said. Either the man could delete Facebook posts he'd made slamming Buglio's management of the department and his officers and refrain from making any future critical comments or else Buglio would fabricate felony charges against him. Wow. That direct. I hope America sees the story and realizes that this is an indicator of a much more widespread phenomena. I said to Brian, why are you doing this? The victim Paul DeLorenzo told WNEP. He goes, well, you like to post fake things. And fake stories about me, so I can make up a fake arrest and put you in jail. Big fucking difference. Huge. 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 Have I'm gonna have say to. things about you versus I'm gonna point a gun at you, threaten you with violence, lock you in a cage. Oh, and I'm gonna make something up as the excuse. So since it's making something up, it's the same. Which will destroy your whole life once you get out of the cage that I put you in. Now, Buglio 45 is facing federal charges for allegedly threatening DeLorenzo with criminal charges and retaliation for social media posts. Buglio has agreed to plead guilty. This is exciting. This is huge. We have the cop actually admitting that he did this. Memphis police used, fake, used a fake Facebook account to monitor Black Lives Matter. Trial reveals is another link in this story. There's so much. And, and it's like now just in the, it's not just, the police state evolving to technology. It's technology putting a new check on the bullshit abuse of power that has been a critical feature of the police state since its inception. Theguardian.com, Amazon US customers have one week to opt out of mass wireless sharing. Yeah, Amazon customers have one week to opt out of a plan that would turn every Echo speaker and ring security camera in the U.S. into a shared wireless network as part of the company's plan to fix connection problems for its smart home devices. The proposal called Amazon Sidewalk involves the company's devices being used as a springboard to build citywide mesh networks that help simplify the process of setting up new devices, keep them online even if they're out of range of Wi-Fi, and extend the range of tracking devices such as those made by Tile. I did not see this coming. But it makes sense. Uh, the, the, the concept of the mesh net is very important because it's going to put the major telecoms out of business and make the decentralized blockchain-based internet possible. And I should not be surprised to see that Amazon, with all of its devices, is now the one leading the charge. And that scares me because uh, I, would, I would like to see it happen in a much more open-source way. And with this violation of privacy, uh, if it's Amazon, it's kind of built into the system. So exciting development but uh, only because there's something better around the corner, hopefully. Washington Times, California launches Slavery Reparations Task Force. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, uh, it's a good start. Uh, reparations for stoners, people who've been arrested unjustly. Uh, how about all the 
descendants of Spanish missionaries who were killed in the conquest of California, the natives. I mean, you really want to go back. You got a lot of work to do, California. Wall Street Journal Tesla failed to oversee Elon Musk's tweets, SEC argued in letters. Finally, an Elon Musk story we don't have to cover is like technology advancements for Good News Friday. This makes me like Elon, love Elon Musk all the more. He really, for, for all the complaints about him taking government money and everything else, he's not some fucking authoritarian sycophant. He's a punk. He's standing up to the man constantly, continuously, but also inherently in his personality, you can tell he's a bit of a punk, right? Still, a bit immature almost as a punk. Now, whether it's all calculated, deliberate, you know, public presentation, I don't know, don't really care. But he actually is pushing back on government, uh, imposing on his free speech rights in a number of ways. From the Daily Beast, smear piece at msn.com on far-right agitator Ammon Bundy, the headline far-right vigilante. Oh, he's not just an agitator. He's, he's an, I mean, look at this. He's not a cowboy, not a politician, not a rancher. The first two, it's, it, it's okay, the, the, the headline is far-right vigilantes alarming gubernatorial and some bracing for chaos. Oh, no. And then the first sentence of the story, far-right agitator Ammon Bundy's emerging bid to become the next governor of Idaho faces a peculiar roadblock. And this is actually really cool. He's currently barred from entering the state capitol <laughs> for being arrested there twice within 24 hours in civil disobedience activism. And you go, this is not an objective piece of coverage. This is someone who doesn't want Ammon Bundy to have any political relevance. This is a shameless smear piece. So congratulations, Ammon Bundy, for triggering the uh, fuck-tarded uh, social justice warrior liberals at the Daily Beast. Good job. JBS Plants. Uh, this is Yahoo Finance from Bloomberg. JBS Plants limp back from hack with old-school manual labor. That's right, meat packers with JBS, America's largest meat packing whatever processing company are uh, working by hand. So um, stop eating meat, you know. All right. Wall Street Journal, New York City's subway operator and Martha's Vineyard Ferry latest to report cyber attacks. Yeah, this is, I don't, I, you're going to see more headlines like this. It's cyber attacks to justify the cyber police state. Attacks on infrastructure are part of a global criminal pivot from stealing data to hobbling operations. Comonews.com, King County's first in the country to ban facial recognition software. And the thing that pisses me off about this is they couldn't get away with banning facial recognition software from other companies or from the public. And I'm for facial recognition. I mean, if you're in public, you're broadcasting your face. I, I should be able to with Google Glass, whatever the fuck, see your face and be able to know your name and your reputation. That's where the technology goes. That's where the market demand is. What pisses me off about this story so much is that they didn't ban facial recognition software except for government agencies to where it should be banned. It was a good story, good fact, bad headline because they changed their policy. They didn't ban the software, but there's sort of like a premise here that the only people capable of using this responsibly in the first place would have been the government. We stopped that because we're the good people. All right, now we have an Arizona story we're going to have to come back to courtesy of Ed about former Fox and anchor Carrie Lake announcing her run for Arizona governor and a smear piece from the Phoenix New Times. Now we go to our WTF Thursday headline catch-up section. As I said, daily news, U.S. troops mistakenly stormed cooking oil factory in Bulgaria. They cooked up an international incident because reporters use dumb puns like that. What is it? It's not a pun. It's, it's the 
God damn it, I hate that mainstream journalist wordplay. We're so clever. They invaded a cooking oil factory. So we're going to say they cooked up an international incident because I'm Joseph Wilkinson with the Daily News and I'm so clever. U.S. troops accidentally stormed a cooking oil factory in Bulgaria while on a training exercise last month. The funny thing about this is uh, the people who, the factory owner, Marin Dimitrov, plans to sue anyone responsible for the raid. Oh, sue the U.S. government. Good luck with that. The AP reported. And the president of Bulgaria, whose name you don't know, Ruman Radev called it absolutely unacceptable. Uh, the U.S. Army and uh, embassy in Bulgaria apologized in the press release. And I'm like, this was your experience of American imperialism, an accidental raid where no one, no shots were fired, no one got hurt in a training exercise. Yeah, you should sue, but uh, just be grateful they didn't, I don't know, spray you with Agent Orange and depleted uranium at the same time. WTOP News, FBI agent accused of shooting Metro passenger released by judge. Yeah, no surprise. We'll have follow up on that story. Another W2F story you might have caught. This is from the Seattle Times. Moses Lake voters allegedly harassed another group over gay pride flags. Then their boat burst into flames. And uh, the post from uh, the people getting harassed, uh, this is uh, retro, Yushi, retro underscore Yushi underscore or Cosmic Robbie on Twitter. These people harassed my family because we were flying gay pride flags in Moses Lake, Washington, by racing around us and shouting caselers. Then their boat literally blew up. Karma is real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sun Sentinel at yahoo.com. Man who killed iguana in Florida claims stand your gun or stand your ground defense. Look out, it's coming right for us. <laughs> an iguana. The iguana started it. Or so says a man who claims he feared for his life and every right to bash the creature to death under Florida's stand-your-ground law. No, it is not an excuse for animal cruelty. P.J. Nilaja Patterson, 43, is accused of animal cruelty over killing an iguana. But the six-foot, 365-pound man argues that he was in fear for his life and that the three-foot-long green iguana was the first to resort to violence during their horrific encounter in Lake Worth Beach. Yeah. Um, interesting, though. And it's funny, he might be justified in this. Apparently, he was bit pretty bad, got 22 staples to close the wound caused by the wild beast. Um, and this is an invasive reptile, but it is thought to be the first time anyone has pursued a stand-your-ground claim over a deadly confrontation with an iguana. Now, I would say, really, until we stop killing other human beings... Let's stop having governments address people being mean to animals, okay? Because people are like, and I, I say this as as a vegetarian, right? You know, for ethical reasons, I want to extend the non-aggression principle to animals, but I will prioritize people. I am a speciesist, and this is fucking insane. Uh, government, animal cruelty is a real deal. It's a real problem, but uh, compared to war, compared to the police state, no. Government uses animal cruelty as an excuse to grow its power. Obviously, New York Post deputy dispatcher charged in child sex abuse case after cop commits suicide. This is a crazy story. I mean, this is like if you just had it, had it, someone put this in the producer's club and I read this and I was like, holy shit. You want, you want an interesting drama? Texas police sergeant confessed to sexually abusing children and implicated two co workers in the crime during a dramatic standoff with investigators and a SWAT team that ended in his suicide. Crazy thing is, it was the 
other the two women who were involved, the dispatchers who started tipped it off, it was because one of them got called in for some other work problems and spilled the beans on this guy. Then they went after him, and he, well, he they, she didn't even spill the beans. She just she just pointed out that he was part of it, and then he spilled the beans totally, and then shot himself. Yeah. Wow, made for TV movie. Wait. I guess that's not made for TV movies. Aren't really anymore. TheGuardian.com microwave weapons that could cause Havana syndrome exist. Experts say. From SeattleTimes.com, pot producers and fuck these ones are pushing to clamp down on Delta Eight THC. Yeah, Here's that. why and what it is. Yeah, this is this is bad news. Them bad. News. Corporatism in the cannabis industry. MarijuanaMoment.net, California Senate approves bill to legalize possession of psychedelics like psilocybin and LSD. And, and GI Mary Jane is concerned that some stoners might read this headline and be like, what? That shit's all legal now? Cool. I'm getting trouble. But the thing is, <laughs> it's, it's time. It's coming. More good coming. news. The drug war is ending. Also in WTF, George P. Bush launches run for Texas Attorney General from CNN Politics. We don't have enough Bushes. I guess we need to get one back as a punching bag, at least. Texas Attorney General, let him have it. Ken Paxson can't be any worse. Uh, Rand Paul, this is from Fox News, gives two-word response to Fauci's unearthed emails. Told you. Hashtag fire Fauci. We will be coming back to the Fauci emails with more analysis. But for now, let's check in with Steve. Steve, any final thoughts or updates on the <clears throat> comment contest? No updates on the comment contest. <laughs> All right. Nope, nope. So, no updates on my son's disciplinary hearing either. So, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen for the rest of the day? But uh, that's it. That's it for me, man. All right. Well, well, thank you for joining us, brother. There was, um, yeah. Who won? Was the? Uh, uh, I'm going with. I'm going with uh, you. One, two, three, eight, eight, one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the mace that's in the bathroom is hilarious, and as an adult, I would still recreate that. So that's. Yeah. Yeah. The Bob's big boy, Absolutely. right? Bob's, Bob's, Bob's big boy. Yeah, we used to have a we used to have a big boy here, and people would steal the stat the like the statue all the time. I love it. I love it. All right, thank you for co-hosting today, Steve. Jim, take us home with the producer notes. What's going on? Yeah, email me, Jim at thefreedomline.com for the winner there. If you uh, if you're not a winner already, I can't remember if you has won or not. Uh, he comments a lot, so it's possible. Join the public Telegram channel, t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. Join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. That's going to get you access to the private producers club, which will get you 15% off and free shipping on all of our merchandise. Cigarfederation.com is an awesome website we're affiliated with that gives 10% off to anybody that uses promo code Adam10. So definitely take advantage of that at cigarfederation.com. Uh, if you're on Instagram, you can search at the Garden of Freedom to see everything that's going on with that. I'm up there in Gardenia. The Crypto6.com still needs your help. The guys that were rated with the Bitcoin Church and GoGreenEnergyOnline.com, the best website for do-it-yourselfers. Visit it, research, educate yourself. Have a beautiful day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for good news on this day in history from GoodNewsNetwork.org. It was 240 years ago today, former and politician Jack Jewett began a successful midnight ride to warn Thomas Jefferson, the governor of Virginia, of an impending British cavalry raid intended to capture him and his legislature toward the end of the American Revolutionary War, earning him the title of Paul Revere of the South with a 40-mile midnight ride. It was on this day in 1960 in Gideon versus Wainwright. 
that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled all accused persons must be given the right to an attorney, socializing legal defense, giving the state more credibility in pursuing its paradigm of legal punishment, unfortunately. On this day in 1977, though, we have some irrefutably good news. It was the day reggae star Bob Marley's classic album Exodus was released, which was named Album of the Century by Time Magazine in 1999 and finally 56 years ago today nasa nasa astronaut ed white became the first american to walk in space during the gemini 4 mission he opened the hatch and used a handheld oxygen jet gun to push himself out of the capsule and propel himself to the end of the eight meter tether and with that peace and love y'all choose happiness and be excellent to each other (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.